We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. And today we're joined by our good friend and the editor in chief of IndieSportsLegends.com, the one and only Tyler Smith. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We've got a coach. Absolutely. It's been how many weeks now, Tyler? Oh, man, it was almost a two month search, which is something that's uh, pretty unheard of. But I think McMillan was let go, I think, August 26th. So we're, we're right up on right yeah. under two months there. You're right. That's that is crazy. I can't I can't believe how long it's been. But I will say this: I am really happy that the Pacers did their due diligence and they took their time with this because it seems like they did a lot of thorough research. Yeah, and that's exact opposite of what they did last time. Mm -hmm. uh, Larry Bird just kind of hired Nate and didn't really talk to too many people. Uh, he felt really strongly about McMillan and went with that. But this time, almost two months. Uh, Kevin Pritchard said today that. They had books and books of information and intel on 12 or 13 candidates. So wow. very extensive and very exhaustive search. Wow. Well, it seems like, you know, they were trying to make sure they got the right coach in here. And from everything we've been hearing, man, it really does seem like this is the right hire for the Pacers. And this is everything that the Pacers front office, especially Kevin Pritchard, said he wanted. Yeah, I mean, the, my biggest takeaway from the press conference wasn't even anything the new coach said it was Kevin Pritchard how excited he was mm -hmm. um, if you're going to do that extensive of a search had a lot of really big and great names involved and for him to come away and, and he said they were high-fiving and he said you know we just knew this was our guy I mean so again to have that exhaustive of a search and for a basketball mind like Kevin Pritchard to say we knew this was the guy um, you got to feel good about that Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think, you know, when you're doing this research, and I think one of the things he said is all of them were in agreement on it. He said that there's times where one person feels really strongly about one candidate and the other feels strongly about this one, and there can be kind of tension, but they all were just in agreement on it. And it just overwhelmingly, 
is the, the common thing coming back to him is positivity, positivity, positivity. And, you know, I think in today's NBA, that is something that players respond to uh, very well. And I think that this is something that will help this team grow. And not just because he's positive. I just think he is like polar opposite of Nate McMillan. Yeah. I mean, definitely in certain areas and, and uh, you know, the, the positivity side of it, it also comes with being a basketball lifer and a great mind. You know, the other word that people keep talking about is how innovative he is. And it's not just like, Hey, I'm a, a rah, rah, you know, kind of a blind optimism type of guy, but he's got the brains and innovation to back it up. So it's like, Hey, we're going to stay positive, but here's, you know, here's what we're going to do next. And uh, that's a good combo. Oh yeah, for sure. So before we keep jumping back and talking about this press conference today, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast today and he had Jackie McMullen on with him. And I thought, you know, they, they brought up the Pacers talking about different traits and errors, whatever. But I think what was really cool was Jackie McMullen goes, tells a story about um, Kawhi Leonard telling or texting both Nick and Nate that he was leaving and going home. And apparently they were at a Prince, uh, a Prince lookalike or a, a, a fake Prince concert, whatever celebrating their championship and they both got that text and they were both pretty bummed about it but they said but she said basically nate is like nick uh nick's clone they they think the same way and she goes uh indiana was looking for the next nick nurse and i think they found him so i mean i i i think that that's really exciting because nick nurse has been fantastic the two years he's had that job with the uh, toronto raptors yeah and you know i know i'm not alone in this but um I think I've been pretty vocal about wanting the next Nick nurse. And that was even before McMillan was let go. I was trying to look at my, my Twitter. I found one from early August. I found one on August 7th um, interaction with a fan saying, I would just love this team to get the next Nick nurse. And uh, for, you know, he, this, this guy was not um, on my top three uh, from the names that we had heard, Mm -hmm. but he's cut from the same cloth as those guys where, you know, as a good experienced assistant coach coming from a great culture, someone that is known for being creative and adaptive. And, you know, I think, you know, I both have been talking about wanting the next Nick nurse for quite some time. So it's hard to complain about the guy who has been, as she said, his clone, his right-hand man for many years. Yeah, for sure. And so I remember you saying that because like the news came out about Mike D'Antoni and I mean, you and Kent Sterling both were like, nah, I don't want him. And to me, I was like, I'll take D'Antoni. I think that he's really innovative, but he is older. And a lot of people didn't want to retread. And that's kind of what Kevin Pritchard said, like going with a retread is kind of lazy in a sense. So, uh, I mean, if it makes the, if it makes the right sense, I don't consider it lazy, but I do think, you know, giving a a coach a chance to prove himself is also, I mean, especially if he can prove himself, that's got to feel really rewarding. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin mentioned it today as well. He said every single coach in this league, every good coach, every whatever coach had to be a first year coach at some point. Right. Um, you know, the Indy star talked about today about how, you know, you never heard of Eric Spolster or, you know, not many people heard of Nick nurse and, and some of these other names that have had success. I, I think honestly, sports, the sports world in general, um, all of the major sports have seemed to kind of go this way lately where, you know, you give a guy a shot and he kind of uh, takes off. I, you know, see it a lot in Major League Baseball. You're seeing a little bit of it in the NFL. And the NBA is now um, starting to, to uh, you know, become more of an opportunity um, for first-time coaches. And a lot of them are doing well with it. 
Mm-hmm. And I and I brought this up yesterday, but I want to reiterate it because I just Kevin Pritchard just keeps kind of like keeps saying this thing where he's like talking about how he wants Nate here for the the long haul in a sense. It's what it feels like he's implying that he wants him here for a long time. And, and to me, it's like I got this feeling that the Pacers kind of want a coach similar to Eric Spolstra and similar to Brad Stevens that's going to be here for a while. Yeah, that would be amazing, you know, if things work out and, you know, all signs point to him being a very good hire um, and the fact that he's so young, he's 45. Um, so it's like, hey, if if they can finally um, solidify themselves and, and you know, just similar to Eric Spolstra where, you know, it could be a, a completely different core later on, um, but the fact of the culture, um, you know what you're getting and uh, somebody that can roll with the times and, and innovate as they've been talking about, um, that would be amazing, assuming it's somebody that uh, you end up liking and, you know, is good in the community and is a good basketball mind, which, again, all the signs point to that being him. Would love nothing more than for him to be here for 10 or more years. Oh, absolutely. And that is one thing that I am super excited about is getting a coach here for the long, for the long haul. I mean, constantly having, you know, to find a new coach every four to five years is a bit exa- exhausting. And you, you, you think about a guy like Frank Vogel, who was brought in as an interim coach and then worked his way up and became the head coach and took this team to back-to-back Eastern conference finals. And then they let him go because, you know, Pritchard and bird decided that his voice was tiring out on the, on the team. And then they go ahead and completely change your entire roster. So if they would have just kept him and brought these new players in, like his, his new voice would have been perfectly fine because there's new players, but you know, they let him go and now he's an NBA championship coach. And I don't think he's complaining about it because all good things happen uh for good people but yeah I mean I just feel like with Nate he just really seems like a guy he's super likable that's one thing I will say like I can see why the Pacers were so enamored with him you know just just based off of the stories we're hearing the way he was so you know into the X's and O's and and how he wants to be adaptable and you know changing up the defense I think you're going to see so many different variations of defense you know whether we switch on man-to-man, whether we fight through screens, whether we're playing box and ones like they did in the finals or, you know, playing these weird zone schemes. I think that you're going to see a lot of innovation, like you said earlier, Tyler, with with this coach, and that is something the Pacers have not seen in a long time. Yeah, and the thing that I like too, and I think that it's something that can separate an athlete and a coach uh, in crunch time is this idea of just being fearless, mm-hmm. having no fear, and there's going to be calculated reasons and decisions of what he's doing. You know, he mentioned today that um, we're not, we're very unafraid to try all these different things so that come playoff time, you're ready for those things that come up and you're not doing something for the first time. So there's a difference of being fearless and reckless um, for him. It sounds like he's going to be fearless all season long so that they get to the playoffs and they may do something that, that they have already done but maybe is out of the box thinking. Um, and that's exciting. You know, it's exciting as a, as a player, I would think too, to, uh, you know, typically it's a long season. Last year was a little shorter. Of course it was spread out, but as far as games play, but um, to be able to try different things and different matchups and uh, come to the, uh, to the stadium each day um, with something fresh. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you before I move on here, was there anything else that stood out to you during this press conference? I think a big thing was when he was talking about Oladipo and the fact that Oladipo reached out to him immediately 
And he said he called him right back, and he said it wasn't just like a, hey, coach, welcome. It was like extremely welcoming. Um, he said, I like his energy. Our energy fed off one another. And uh, he, he seemed really high on that. Um, he also seemed high on, you know, the, the double bigs, as we'll talk about. But, um, you know, it's, I, I've, I've been around long enough, and I've seen enough of these opening press conferences where, you know, you're always going to feel – optimistic in certain ways and and you know always it's like well you know let's see if it actually happens you know what they're saying um but he he just comes across as a guy that's very uh believable kind of like kevin pritchard and i think his optimism is is not blind optimism i think he really sees something here which was a good takeaway yeah and here's kind of what i think like i put it out on twitter so i'll just reiterate that but i I do think that the pacers want to see and what coach Nate can do with both miles and, and, and Domas, because truth is like, if they decide they're going to trade one of them and they end up doing that, if, if he ends up being really good somewhere else, I think the Pacers are going to, you know, they fear that in a sense, they fear that that other, that other, one of those bigs, if traded to the right team could, could be have a breakout year or have a, you know, a breakout career. And they don't want to take the risk of that happening to them and letting go of the wrong person. So I think they're going to let it, Kind of just, um, I, I would be surprised now if they trade Turner before the season starts, especially with this odd season that we're going to have. It's probably going to be shortened based on what I'm what I'm hearing. So I'm not I'm not sure, but I, I did think that was intriguing about Oladipo as well because when I'm sitting here, like I thought it was really funny trying to watching Kevin Pritchard's response to Bob Kravitz uh, about that Oladipo question. You could tell he was making sure that he said things a certain way you could make you could see he was kind of making sure that he didn't say anything that might be taken the wrong way and after he said it they kind of panned it back over to Bob's camera and Bob almost gave like a tiny bit of an eye roll uh (laughs) to the uh to the response so to me it was a very PR response on Oladipo which made me feel like I'm not sure what his future is but Pritchard's been talking about it since they fired McMillan and since they had that zoom uh conference call with you guys um the, the media um, what was that two months ago like you said so yeah that's they they I think they really want to see what they can do with this thing and I think Bjorgren really feels like he's he's up for any challenge because he's always had to deal with uh, you know having to adapt with so many players coming in out of the G League yeah and you know there's obviously certain things you wouldn't say as well even if he kind of had some uh, information that they were looking to make a move mm-hmm. you know he's not he's not going to say that in the in the press conference but um you know, the, the indications could be there that they're going to try to run it back. And, um, you know, I mentioned this last year, and, and I know it's not the, the thing that very many fans would want to hear, but I did pose this question uh, last year in the second half. I was like, what could this team, if fully healthy and with a good coach, do? I don't know. I mean, to be a four seed without that great of a coach and without, um, you know, health of, of any kind, really, you know, for the most part, um, what could they do? So I would, I would be tempted for them to uh, run it back and maybe try to get creative um, with a smaller trade or smaller uh, free agent signing. Um, we'll see what happens, but that's definitely on the table. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason because I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. I'm not sure who the Pacers will consider moving if, you know, any and all players are on the table. I mean, it's just one of those things where I feel like they like their core a lot and I feel like they feel like they were cheated the last couple of years from seeing this core play together. And so um, maybe they wait till the deadline to make a move or maybe they wait till next season to make a move if things don't go well this year. But 
it is exciting. I think fans have a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but I will ask you this. Um, when it comes to finding that coaching staff to fill out um, with uh, Nate Bjorgren, are there any are there any assistant coaches or any coaches out there that in- intrigue you, Tyler? Uh, definitely Chris Finch, just like uh, a lot of people. Um, yeah. He's, he's done some amazing things, and um, we'll see if he ends up staying with uh, Van Gundy over there and – um, or if he's got um, head coaching on the mind and, you know, cause there's not many jobs left. Um, but, you know, it's uh, he could stay put and then keep interviewing. And I think eventually he'll get a shot. Um, but I would love him to come to Indiana. And, and even if he was labeled associate head coach or, you know, a, a coach in waiting somewhere else, even if it was a short term, like a year or two, but um, I just love what I've read about him and his mind. But other than that, uh, Bjorken said that he's had a lot of conversation. He said there's a lot of great coaches out there with great minds. So um, I'm I'm confident that they're going to get not just a good head coach. I think you know not to uh, you know downplay the other coaches that the Pacers have had for years, but I think they're going to get a, a more well-rounded um, staff. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think um, also, I mean, I think part of that reasoning is the the staff that they've had for years is kind of old school. And, you know, they might not be as adaptable or as positive or whatever you want to call it. They might not have the same philosophies and things like that as Coach Bjorg. You know, I'm sure they could adapt to him. But personally, I just think when it comes to players, having new voices will really help. And I was curious because I did see that Ime Udoku, who was an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs for about seven, seven-ish years and then went to Philadelphia in 2019, he was interviewing for the Chicago job. He had actually... Uh, they reportedly interviewed for the Pacers job. So I wonder, like, he's kind of a defensive-minded guy. I wondered if he would be someone that the Pacers have high on their list as well to possibly bring in as an assistant. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, in the long list of people that they interviewed, I think they would be thrilled um, to have any, you know, any number of them on the staff. Um, that's That's not always what ends up happening if somebody interviews a job and doesn't get it. They're not always, you know, quick to say okay let me you know join that staff under somebody else but sometimes they are you know sometimes they um, it's one of the best spots or best fits they can get and not only will it be a good spot for this coming year but it could also you know catapult them into a um, head coach head coaching position in the coming years somewhere else right and I mean it's it's very similar because if if the Pacers have great success next season um, people are going to be looking at their assistants I mean look at how how much we've been talking about a guy like Dan Craig, who's been in this league for a long time, and I had never heard his name until this season. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's just constantly like if you're on a good team, like even with the coaches, uh, the coach of Pacers just hired Nate Bjorgren, nobody really knew who he was either. So I think if you're on a team that has great playoff success and and has great success in the regular season, your name is going to continue to resurface over and over again. But yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, I was really kind of hoping for Chauncey. I'm not going to lie. Um, but that's probably more so just because it's a familiar name and uh, not really anything to do with basketball. But I think the Pacers made the right choice here. I didn't think Chauncey would be um, a great coach. I just thought they would probably get a great staff with him. And it was just an intriguing and it was an appealing name more so than anything but let's go ahead and take a quick break here and when we come back we're going to be joined by kelsey o'brien who covers the toronto raptors g league team and she does have a lot of familiarity with coach nate bjorgen we'll be right back 
Welcome back, everybody. Now joining us on the show is the one and only Kelsey O'Brien, and we're going to talk a little bit about Nate Bjork and the Pacers' new coaching hire. And so, Kelsey, first and foremost, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We are so excited to learn more about uh, Nate Bjorgren, uh, the former assistant coach with Nick Nurse in Toronto. So, you know, I know that you're known for covering the G League and the D League, as it's formerly known. So can you just start us off here and just let us know your your history and your covering of the uh, Pacers' new coaching hire? Sure. So I, I cover uh, mainly the Raptors 905 last season, but this season um, I'm, I'm with basketballnews.com now, so I'll be doing more um, – G League wide, God willing that there is a season um, coverage. So yeah, I've, I get a, um, pretty familiar with the coaches around the G League before they turn into gigantic head coaches of championship teams. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so Kelsey, were you around, uh, do you recall much of the uh, feedback that I guess the Raptors fan base had um, when they hired Nick Nurse? Um, were you um, I guess, depending on wh- what you were doing that year, um, is there any kind of recollection of uh, how they, you know, because there's obviously a little bit of a shock when they hired him. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, just any kind of feedback that you heard of um, at that time? Um, it was, it was definitely a shock just because he was, he, you know, he came up in Dwayne Casey's system and the success that they had with Dwayne C- Casey was not necessarily the route that they wanted to continue taking. So I think everyone was a little bit hesitant thinking, you know, if he came up in Dwayne Casey's system, is he going to be exactly the same coach as Dwayne Casey? And obviously we saw that that wasn't the case. And I think um, that'll be the same with what Nate can bring to the Pacers as very similar to what Nick brought to the Raptors. Yeah. Well, well, that's really exciting because, I mean, it's been reported now that the Pacers were looking for that next Nick Nurse. And I think that's kind of the thing going around the league. It's what's the latest trend. And I think Nick Nurse has just been, you know, so phenomenal the last couple of years and, you know, losing Kawhi and, and losing Danny Green and still, you know, pushing Boston to seven games. I thought it was a, a great series. So, yeah. So when it comes, when it comes down to the new Pacers uh, head coach, Nate, um, what are some things that you think he'll bring to the table here for the Pacers? Um, I think innovation will be key. I mean, he's the one who drew up, you know, the infamous box N one in the Golden State uh, Raptors finals. So you're going to get a lot of things that you maybe wouldn't have seen under Nate McMillan. I think having kind of a younger and more fluid team like the Pacers is going to work really well for Nate and for the Pacers as well, because he is so innovative and he, he isn't going to try and, you know, build the system to fit around one player, but rather take more of a Nick Nurse approach and build a system that works for every player. So not necessarily like a plug and play system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I heard from uh, Pacers president, um, Kevin Pritchard today was he was really blown away by the response that he was getting, how many texts and emails and calls from people from all over the NBA, but specifically uh, Toronto saying, Hey, you guys got a great, a great coach. Um, and so I, I guess my question is, have you ever heard anything uh, negative about the guy? Is it just all just a um, kind of a ringing endorsement? Um, it's got to be a good sign for Indiana. It is. It's, I haven't heard anything negative about him. I mean, I spoke to um, some of the players from summer league and team Canada before coming on this podcast, just to kind of see what they, what they felt about it. And they said, you know, he's super smart. He's super prepared and he's a great people person. Like he's not just going to discuss the X's and O's with them, but rather he's going to, 
you know, get to know Indiana, get to know the players as people before what they can do for him on the court. You know, he's very high IQ. Um, he's always, you know, talking to them during film sessions on what they can improve and not necessarily taking a very harsh route, but more of a friendly approach. Yeah, that's been the ringing endorsement here from Kevin Pritchard and, and just a lot of other people that I've covered uh, this hiring is the positivity that he brings to the table. And, you know, I think if you look at the Pacers, old head coach named McMillan, he was nicknamed the Sarge for a reason, and <laughs> their styles are completely different. And so I'm just curious, you know, the Pacers have a, a, a player like Victor Ladipa who's coming into his final year with the, with the Pacers, and they've already had conversations according to his comments today in his uh, interview and his uh, introductory pre press conference. So I'm just curious, you know, how did he coexist with all of the really, you know, great players on the Toronto Raptors team? Um, I think he was probably, you know, there's always the head coach, but then there's always the assistant coaches that are kind of more open to the players and kind of more warm. And I think that's, that's what Nate was for a lot of the players. I know Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry both spoke very highly of him. I think um, he's very approachable, which I think for a team like Indiana is going to be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing he also said he talked about today is his experience, you know, in uh, in those other developmental leagues is how adaptable you have to be. There's so many you know factors that are out of your control, and uh, you know he talked about he's going to bring that to um, to the NBA to the head coaching position there. And um, one thing he also said today was that you know he said I don't think there should ever be a set rotation. Each game will dictate it. Um, the guys will be ready, and I'm not afraid to enter a player into a game at any time. Um, how much of that do you think um, came from his time um, in those leagues and, and maybe just with Nick Nurse? Um, do, do you think that's something that you saw quite often, even under uh, the Nick Nurse regime? I think a lot of it has to do with um, coming up in, in the D League or the G League, just because those lineups can change in a second, you know, with players going on 10 days or players going, getting signed to the NBA partway through the season or even just trades and stuff. You have to be able to change on the fly. So I think that coupled with, you know, being under the Nick Nurse regime and seeing the success of what happens when you do switch your lineups and, you know, play or set your lineups for on a game per game by game basis, instead of having one solid starting five, I think he saw that the success that that can bring and probably um, wants to kind of mirror that with the Pacers because when you look at the Pacers I mean you don't really know what your team's going to look like next year mm -hmm. right with all these contracts up in the air you don't know about the long-term pairing of um, Sabonis and Miles Turner you don't know if Oladipo will be there so I think his ability to change on the fly is going to be extremely beneficial yeah that's a great point because that is kind of like the uh, elephant in the room it's like what is Oladipo going to do is he going to be here long term same thing with the the, the 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 pairing of Turner and Sabonis it's uh you know a lot of fans are ready to move on from it but I think at the end of the day um I think the, the Pacers front office in my personal opinion they want to give coach Nate a chance to see what he can do with these two and I, I just want to ask this because we don't really know a whole lot about his philosophies and things like that like he kind of talked about it a little bit today but do you, do you see him as more of an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach, or is he just really well-balanced? I think he's very well-balanced, and I think a lot of that is coming up in the G League when, you know, there's guys there that are 
kind of trying to get their own highlight reel to get to the NBA. So you have to kind of counter that with the guys that are actually going to play defense and not just try and show off. So I think he he's become very well-rounded and especially, you know, coming up, having players like Kawhi Leonard, who is offensively amazing, but also one of the best defensive players. I think being able to handle both sides of the floor is extremely important. And I think that you guys are going to be very, very happy with what he can bring on both sides. Yeah, that's got to be music to uh, Pacer fans' ears to hear that. <laughs> so that's that's good just to continue to hear so many, you know, optimistic things about him, um, which it, honestly it is pretty rare. You know, there's obviously uh, optimism each time, you know, somebody has a press conference and is in a new position. There's always something there that's somewhat positive, but seems to be pretty overwhelming uh, for, for Nate. So that's good for Indiana, I'm sure. And um, Kelsey, uh, you know, I appreciate all the insight. I want to ask you too about um, your time, you know, the G League itself. How can fans, uh, do you think fans should be uh, more uh, interested in the G League and how can they, um, you know, what can they do to really, uh, to get involved in, and to see the different dynamics of uh, what that league is doing for the NBA? So personally, I, I wouldn't say I prefer the G League to the NBA, but I'm much more invested in it because it's so, it's so wonderful to watch these players come up. And to look at someone and know like they're going to be the next big star. And especially in Toronto, we've been blessed with that with, you know, Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher, Fred Van Vliet. And now we have Paul Watson on a two-way contract. And it's just, it's really nice to see. It's nice to see them develop. I mean, that's what the whole league was started for. And as far as finding the G League, it's all streamed for free on the G League website. So there's, there's really like, you don't, you don't need league pass or anything. You can just go on the G League website and watch all of the games for free. It's not inaccessible, like if you were to watch overseas basketball. And it is really, really high-quality basketball at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's really awesome because, I mean, there's been times where we've seen, you know, players on that two-way contract that they're, you know, in the G League and then they get called up. And we've, we've seen that the last couple of years with Indiana players, you know, uh, with the Fort Wayne Maddians. And you look at a guy like Alize Johnson, who's, you know, killing it in the G League. And then when he finally gets some playing time in the NBA, he puts up 17 rebounds in the last game of the bubble against the Miami Heat. So it's it's interesting to kind of see, like, why – to me, because it's, it's kind of frustrating. Sometimes you'll see a guy like Goga Batadze, our rookie last year, go down in the G League and dominate – and then come back to the NBA and then just, you know, look like a totally lost player. So mm-hmm. I, get, I guess the biggest question there for me is, like, when, when teams are utilizing the G League to try to get their players more minutes and more playing time, how come it takes them – some it doesn't really affect them, but some it's like it's so easy for them in the G League, but when they come to the NBA or back to their NBA team, they struggle. I think it's a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is confidence. I mean mm-hmm. – we we sent Stanley Johnson down to the G League a few times. And the Stanley Johnson that Raptors fans see, you know, at the end of the bench or in struggle minutes is not the Stanley Johnson that you see in the G League. So I think a lot of it is possibly feeling like a fish out of water in the big leagues. Whereas when you go to the G League, you know that you're better than a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just have uh, one more question for you. This is kind of a, a interesting one and uh, one that, you know, it may just be kind of uh, your, your opinion on it, but I'm looking at the Pacers head coaches over the years. And I know this is not too abnormal. Uh, this is how a lot of uh, 
you know, a lot of uh, franchises operate, but I'm looking way, way back. And, and you're talking just about every coach that has come through here has been a four or five season type of coach. Um, now, Nate is obviously young. He's 45. There's all these, you know, ringing endorsements. Do you think this is a type of guy that could be in Indiana long-term um, and uh, just have that opportunity to be that guy that really um, is here long-term and, and has a little bit of success? I think so, because I think his openness and his willingness to change is going to be what sets him apart from these coaches that are, you know, the kind of recycled coaches that we see throughout the league that are just jumping from team to team and kind of doing the same thing with every team. I think when you hire a developmental coach or a former assistant or a new coach, they want to show you what they can bring to the table because they want to make their mark in the league and they want to show why they should have staying power. So I think his willingness to change and just his innovation, innovation that you haven't seen from all of these recycled coaches is very, very possibly going to be what keeps him in Indiana, in Indiana long-term. All right, Kelsey, and my last question to kind of wrap it up here, because I feel like the majority of the fan base is pretty excited about this pick uh, of Nate Bjorgren coming to the Pacers, but there are still some fans that are like, who is this guy? Kind of skeptical, kind of similar, like we mentioned earlier with Nick Nurse being the hire for Toronto a couple of years ago. So uh, you're, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. So I want you to give your best sales pitch to um, some of these fans that might have a little bit of concerns or they might doubt the hiring of Nate Bjorgren. So for Pacers fans that might be concerned or doubting, I mean, you have to look at what Nate's bringing as a full package. You know, he was under Nick Nurse's tenure for a championship run, which is not something a lot of coaches can say. And the coach that he was under in Nick Nurse is a very, very fluid coach. He can change on the fly, which is also part of the reason that Nate's so successful because he learned to do that in the G league. He learned what is necessary to make a team successful. Isn't necessarily rigid set in stone plays, rigid set in stone lineups. So the fluidity that he's going to bring along with what the Pacers are going to meet him with is just something that's going to be really excited. I mean, the Pacers outside of the Raptors are probably one of my favorite teams offensively to watch just because they do so many things differently than other teams and I think what you're going to get with Nate is an extension of that so if you if you like your Pacers offense to mix it up a lot and shake it up you're going to love what Nate's going to bring to the table well anything will be better than what we saw in the playoffs during the bubble so uh, <laughs> so I think that we're, we're pretty excited but I'm going to lie here because I was thinking of another question, so I know we're going to let you go here, but my last question for you, my last, last question is, what player or players do you think are really going to benefit from this hiring? Miles Turner. I think Miles Turner will be, I mean, he's a, he has the potential to be an absolute beast, and I think someone like Nate, who had someone who brought Kawhi another championship, is really going to tap into that and really going to give you the best out of Miles Turner. But I also think that if Nate's successful in his first year, I think that it could get you guys a longer term Victor Oladipo. Oh, wow. That's, that is so, I mean, I think that's what the, <laughs> I think that's, that's going to be a lot different than what fans are expecting, but I think that's what the, the front office wants because I think they want to keep this core together. And obviously last year and the year before they were so 
you know, ridden by injuries that they weren't really able to see this team fully healthy. I think we saw the starting five that was projected, you know, for the playoffs. Like, I think it was like, what was like 80 some minutes, Tyler, if I remember right. So it's like, we didn't really get a great sample size of what this team could be. And I think now, you know, with coach Nate in there, it's, uh, it's exciting. So yeah. So Kelsey, I want to thank you so much for coming on and let us let everybody know that's listening to this, where they can find you out on social media and what you have coming out. Sure. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-A underscore lately. You can find me on um, basketballnews.com. I'm working on a piece right now where actually I take each team, um, see what they need going into the next season and where they can find it in the G League. So that's a really fun one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can find me on Raffles Republic and you can find me on the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. We really appreciate it. We hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. All righty, Tyler, we're back here to close things out. And I just, you know, any, anything that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I mean, if you want to talk about some off season, some moves or some uh, predictions there. Yeah. So I guess let me just get your thoughts because I've, I've shared mine several times and I've, said so many things I can't keep up with it but one thing I will say is I I have been very high on Fred Van Vliet and people were kind of killing me for thinking that Van Vliet and Brogdon would be a good pairing together but I still like it yeah I mean I'm intrigued by him too and and uh when the great uh Mark Monteith is even talking about it you know it's uh (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a little bit tempting you know he knows his stuff and um I wish there was a way I don't think there is cap wise but I wish there was some way to figure out having basically the same team and having uh, hit, you know, having Fred on as kind of a, a combo where you can mix all three of those guys in different spots. That would be very intriguing, but you know, it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I mean, this was my thinking was, well, if the Pacers do decide to trade one of Turner or Oladipo, they could trade one of those guys to Toronto in a sign and trade. Now I think Oladipo makes a lot of sense because the same reason I think Oladipo makes sense for Dallas is because th- these teams want to go after Giannis in 2021. So it's like, if there's, you know, a way that the the Raptors could get Oladipo in, let him play under Nick nurse for a year, have a great year with him. Then he's a free agent. Well, then they can go out and get Giannis and then re-sign Victor Oladipo. So now you got Victor Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi and Giannis as your core there. And then you can bring Kyle Lowry probably back on a, on a cheaper deal than what he's making now. That's a pretty good basketball team. So that's why I'm kind of in that same boat of like, I think they could do a sign and trade for Van Vliet, especially if Van Vliet wants to get paid, but doesn't want to go to one of the teams that has cap space. Yeah. It's one of those options. I mean, there's like, you know, you get on Twitter and there's like 50 million options. It seems like, <laughs> but that that's one of the, you know, it could be realistic. Um, but to me, this, this entire off season, now that the coach is in place, it all starts to me with Oladipo, you know, it doesn't yeah. start with Turner or Sabonis or that, um, you know, trying to figure that out. Pritchard, if he hasn't already needs to have that sit down with Oladipo, figure out if anything has really changed. Um, if he does say that, Hey, I would like to look elsewhere. You've got to look to move them. And I know some people will say you're not going to get any value for him. And it's true. You won't get full value, but you know, they said that about Paul George as well. That was a different situation, but um, I do think a team that is in well ne- uh, win now mode um, would give something um, to acquire him for a year. And um, I still, though, I, I've been saying this for such a long time. And that thing with uh, Fat Joe on Instagram, um, 
you know, kind of made me come around a little bit to the dark side. But um, <laughs> I, I, I've been saying for so long that it just makes sense for Oladipo and the Pacers for him to play out his final year here because both sides want to see what he can do before deciding on what money he deserves. Right. I mean, Oladipo doesn't want to sign now when he could, you know, if he got back to form from two years ago, he could be close or a full max player. And, uh, and the Pacers don't want to give him, you know, a huge contract before they can see that he's healthy. So um, I know people think it's a death wish all the time and you play in your final year um, or coach in your final year. And, and sometimes it is, but it's like, Hey, uh, if they, if they want any chance of uh, a long-term marriage here, then that's probably the way that it's going to go is he's going to come back um, maybe come back close to form. And then the Pacers decide from there if he's worth the money. So like all these thousands of comments that you're probably getting on your Twitter as well of yeah. people saying he's not worth near a max. Well, right now, correct. He is not. But what about if he's back to form this coming season? You know, if he's the Oladipo of two years ago, you would consider it. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, it's like, I don't even know if I would give him a max if he was the player that he once was. I just, there's a lot of money to invest in a guy um, and a guy that's not been consistent with, you know, showing what he wants as far as, you know, is he a money guy? Because, you know, that's one of the reports that came out is he, he's a money guy and he wants a max deal wherever he goes. And then there's also been talks like he wants to win a championship. He said that with Fat Joe, uh, he wants to win a championship because if you have a championship, then you're considered one of the greats, you know, apparently. So I'm, I'm just really torn. And I, I'm one of those same people, uh, Tyler, that is saying he's not worth a max. So I'm going to stand firm in that because I just feel like he, he is not a max player. And, and you look at a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, they went out and they went and gave a huge contract offer to Tobias Harris. And they gave a huge contract offer to Al Horford. And, and now they're wanting to move off of them, but it's like it's impossible and they don't really want to do it because they're not going to get a lot back in return. And a lot of teams don't want to take on those contracts. So to me, it's like, I just, I don't want to get myself so locked into a player for four to five years, especially even if he's really good this year, what if that injury comes back and ends up slowing him down later in, in, in that middle of that contract? That's my biggest fear with it. Yeah. There'd be a ton of risk there. There'd be a lot of fear there. Um, I think when I, reflect back on what Oladipo was two years ago um, it was not only a all-star caliber player but he was the total package I mean he was you know this is my city he was the amazing teammate amazing leader um, that's why I've been so kind of taken off guard from everything that's happened recently um, and maybe that's why you know support him and back him up more than maybe I should I'm not sure but um, you know the the year before the injury or I guess uh, the year of, you know, he wasn't playing max level even before the injury. So I, I get that hesitation as well. But for me, I think it's when you're a small market and you have a guy that, again, assuming he was the two years ago, Oladipo, um, kind of the face of a franchise. Um, I mm -hmm. think he'd be maybe worth a gamble uh, just because of the full package and how you're not typically going to get a max type player um, to come here elsewhere. At least they haven't really had much success with that. Um, so if he was to, if he were to explode on um, this coming season, I would consider it, even though I would be, um, I'd be a little afraid of it too. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, even if he is super good, like I don't want him to leave, but I just want to get him on a better deal. Like why can't we do something around like 28 million a year instead of 30 plus, you know what I mean? 
and and maybe do it for like two plus one, you know, instead of five years or four plus one, whatever the max contract is now uh, with the CBA. I know that the the contracts are shorter. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird spot to be in. And the same thing goes for Miles Turner. Like it was really weird to to hear Kelsey say like, she thinks Turner is going to be like unlocked with Navy Orgren. But that's exciting. I mean, I've been hard on Turner, and I think most of the reason I've been hard on him is because I see the assets and I see the the attributes and I see the tools that he has, and I feel like he's not using them to his, you know, full strength. And I and I felt like that was on McMillan some, but I really still feel like that was on Miles as well. And I'm hoping that Nate Bjorgen can crack that code and figure it out because if he can unlock him somehow to to be, you know, the player that Larry Bird envisioned when he when he drafted him that would be awesome yeah it'd be incredible and again you know if this team with health and with a different scheme you know different coaching staff um, there's really no telling what they can do I mean it will be an improved Eastern Conference a lot of good teams um, so it won't be easy by any means but man I just fear you mentioned earlier I would just fear like crazy you trade one of those two guys and uh, you know odds are it would be Turner I don't think Sabonis will go anywhere yeah. But you trade him and he becomes an absolute beast somewhere else. And then all of a sudden you're down, you know, you have your one big and he has, you know, foot problems again. And all of a sudden it's just a, a huge total nightmare. So I think Pritchard would be wise for him to, you know, um, at least take calls and see what, if somebody offers something ridiculous for him, but otherwise I, I'm fully, um, fully confident in them running it back with the, with the two bigs and see what happens. Yeah. And I mean, they, they kept comparing what, what Toronto has with Pascal and Serge and, Marcus Salter, this Pacers team, but it's like the Pacers really don't have a power forward. I mean, Sabonis and, and Turner are both best utilized at that five position, and Goga Batadze is a five as well, and I think Goga is someone the Pacers really like, and I think that he might be the one that actually benefits the most from Nate uh, Bjorgren being the higher, especially if they can get Chris Finch on this roster. I think we're going to see Goga turn into a really nice backup center just because of the tools that he has as well because he can't protect the rim he's and he's a good three-point shooter if he could just learn how to set a screen and roll to the basket and do different things I really think that he could grow a lot and I think Nate Bjorgren's going to be the perfect coach for him I really believe that uh Tyler so yeah I, I think if you can get it, it if, if Goga can develop then I think it, it makes it easier to move on from Turner um because I think he's the most likely to be moved on from but I also think you can get something in return that really would help this team where they lack. I think a dynamic wing would be great for this Pacers team. I don't know how they go out and get it. I don't know if Turner is, you know, good enough to, you know, go out and maybe snag the number two overall pick from Golden State, um, you know, if, if they like Turner a lot. But, I mean, something like that is what would intrigue me with a Turner trade, but not, not just trading him to trade him. Yeah, that's one that I'd mentioned as well. You know, would would the, now in a normal draft probably absolutely not. But the right. fact that the, the draft is not as good this year, according to many, um, and the fact that you know, hey, Golden State could really benefit from a, a stretch five that also protects the rim. Would there be any interest of getting, which they'd probably have to trade Wiggins um, for the for the money? I'm not positive on that, but Wiggins and number two for. Turner I don't know would it be Vic or what I don't know Lamb or something else you could probably do McDermott now the thing with yeah with Golden State is they have that 17.5 trade exception that they got when they traded D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant I believe it was or whenever they traded Russell for Wiggins one of those two got them this huge exception 
So Turner is pretty much only 17.5 right now in his contract. So he might be able just to be absorbed for the number two overall pick. Now that would kill their tax. And I don't know if they'd want to do that, especially if they could get off the Wiggins contract. But I will say this, uh, (laughs) um, does Andrew Wiggins, someone that's still a young guy, uh, do you think he's somebody that could benefit from playing under Nate Bjorgen? I think the Easter Bunny could benefit from playing for <laughs> Nate Bjorgen. I mean, it's just the, the theme of the theme of the day. And I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm usually an optimistic guy myself, obviously. Oh yeah. But, um, I, I think, uh, I mean, what, with Kevin Pritchard, seeing him, hearing from him and, and for him to say like all these, you know, messages from people. And then we see it on Twitter and we heard it from Kelsey, just all these people with these ringing endorsements, like that's pretty rare. Um, for a coach I mean usually it's like what I mean you see a couple handful of tweets here and there about what are the Pacers doing but for the most part people in the know um, just think this guy's the real deal and um, so I think you know any any type of a returning player or new player um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they develop um, compared to the previous season oh yeah for sure so well this was a lot of fun Tyler and I know we'll have to um, do this again before the NBA draft or right around draft time because I know that there's probably going to be some more rumors going wild around that rumor mill. And so we got, we're about a month away, uh, November 18th. It's October 21st. So we're less than a month away from the NBA draft. And hopefully we'll find out soon when the season's going to start and what it's going to look like. And I think that could determine a lot of how active the paces are because to me, if it's going to be a weird season, a shortened season, I think this is a perfect time to just you know, run it back and see what you got and then make a decision for the 21 off season where there's going to be a lot more movement. Yep. I agree. You know, we were hoping that that may be last season, but Oladipo was never fully healthy. And then uh, obviously COVID happened and Sabonis injury. And we just didn't really, we still haven't seen it. So now hopefully we get a chance to see it with a good coach in place. Um, I want to encourage all fans to not read uh, the clickbait uh, places so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's fun to talk about rumors, but don't treat it like it's fact every time because we, as we saw in the coaching search, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was saying yesterday. It's like, man, you go out and hire Bjorgren, and the only time his name even surfaced was when Nick Nurse was on an interview. So yeah. it's like Woj and Shams really didn't mention it at all. I think Scott Agnes might have had it in his finalist column. I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't go back and fact checked it, but it's like his name was not really ever mentioned. And it's like, Oh, it's going to be down to these four Chris Finch, Dan Craig, Chauncey and Dan Tony. Well, I guess they forgot about P Orgren. So um, I, the only thing that's fun about rumors and different trade ideas is it, it gives us content to talk about on the pod. But other than that, you know, I know for the most part, like a lot of these trades that go out here, they don't usually happen. Mock trades never really happen. It usually is always something that nobody expects because nobody really knows the value of their players and they always usually over or undervalue um, whenever, when they're, when they're making fake trades, fans always usually over or undervalue their own talent and what they're getting back. So it's uh, it's fun to talk about though. I mean, I think it's just great to see the fan base excited. Absolutely. I mean, I have to get your opinion though. TJ Leaf and Aaron holiday for the splash brothers. Who says no? Um, I don't know. The Pacers. <laughs> that's a lot of money to take back. They don't want to pay the tax. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe they'll throw in a second round pick. Yeah. Like, well, it, wor- it, wor- it worked on 2K, so it's got to work in real life. <laughs> no, there's no doubt about it. Or it's like uh, the one I've been, what I've seen like four or five times. It's like Victor for Bradley Beal and picks. I'm like, what are you guys smoking? Bradley Beal is way, is way better than Victor right now. And, and then the fact that the Pacers get picks for him is even more hysterical. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's all fun and games. But yeah, the when the move is made, I think that it'll be interesting. And you know, it's it's a fun time to be a Pacer fan because now that we have our coach in place, we have more things to, you know, dissect and look into. And so now that there's no more speculation, Pacer fans can finally relax. They've got their guy. It's another Nate, but hopefully things are better. So, Tyler, where can the people find you at on Twitter? And do you have anything coming out on any sports legends? Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Tyler Smith underscore ISL. Uh, probably do a little bit of reaction from today here pretty soon. And, you know, I think uh, things will ramp up here in the not too distant future when uh, a lot of stuff happens with the draft and, um, you know, trades and, and free agency could be a whirlwind this year because even though we don't know when next season starts yet, uh, a lot of things are going to happen pretty quickly when uh, the decisions are made. Absolutely. And I, and I probably need to write an article or two here soon about this off season for indie sports legends. I've been slacking, but I've been doing podcasts, but not been doing a lot of writing. So we'll get back to it. Hopefully you guys enjoy our columns and uh, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the final episode of the Pacers Palooza uh, this week. This is my fourth episode in a row. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's always fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.